We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're talking about an offense that may be about to break out, an offense that we have some major concerns about, and the best wide receivers in the NFL. On this edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Squad QL. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Zero RB, the co-owner of Rotoviz Radio, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we're heading into week six, week five in the books. I know that uh, looking through my results for uh, week five of the NFL season may have been my best week so far. I think outside of one league, I, I won in uh, all my dynasty leagues and uh, starting to uh, look a little bit more on the bright side after a good week like that. So how, how did your week five treat you? Did it go according to plan? Very good. Yeah, the most of the leagues came out well and was able to move to four and one uh, in a league where I was facing against uh, Alvin Kamara on Monday night. And obviously that was, that was exciting. I had a a 43 point lead, so I was fairly comfortable or confident going in, but when a player you're facing has hit 40 twice, obviously you can't be that comfortable. So he he went out, didn't have his best game. And uh, that for me is probably the biggest takeaway of week five is the return of Mark Ingram and how that changes things for Kamara from Michael Thomas for that offense. Obviously, we also saw the Traquan Smith breakout, which took a little bit of the the upside there away from Thomas, at least in terms of him being the guy who made the two splash touchdowns. Uh, for you in your leagues that, that went well, who were the key players? 
Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that one with Kamara uh, because I had a similar situation in a PPR league up, uh, I think it was up about 30 points, but I looked at the situation in Kamara. I think it was outside of maybe, there's one out of the four weeks previous that he hadn't hit 30 points. So I was thinking it was a pretty dicey situation. And I also was in a predicament where I had in a super flex league, I had two quarterbacks left and it was Drew Brees and Alex Smith and uh, I needed 30 points between the two of them. But thinking of you know what how Brees getting to that target was, very very reachable but he, i thought he would get to it with a lot of help from alvin kamara so i kind of had a, a very very uh, good situation where it had worked out in both cases uh, over the over the weekend um one of the players that helped me in quite a few leagues and he didn't have a monster week but in terms of production and we're going to touch on their team later on in the show was tyler lockett i've been starting him a lot over the last couple of weeks and obviously that helped out quite a bit uh, quite a few of my teams as well still had austin eckler in there so his touchdown helped as well so it was more of a variety of players but a player that was in a lot of those lineups uh, was uh, tyler lockett and the other player that's in quite a few of them was adam thielen and uh, we'll be talking about thielen a little bit too he continues to to tear it up on a weekly basis uh, another hundred yard game from him yeah he's been he's been absolutely fantastic you mentioned the uh the combination of players there my other main event i was also three and one and hoping to move to to four and one but in that one i had only a, a 36 point lead with camara and drew Brees to play and with the two of them and expecting them to score 50 60 points i had chalked that one up as a loss already so it was a little disappointing to actually only come out on the negative end by two points so if almost anything else had gone right uh, either in that game or during the week my kicker mason crosby may have kicked himself out of the nfl although he appears to still be on the packers at this moment but yeah very fun week a lot of things to talk about um, let's move to the second quarter so let's jump straight into it sean we're looking at your article from the the past week uh, that has come out here early in week six i guess we'll call it uh, as we head towards it and uh, it is the 15 and it's been one of my favorite reads uh, all season long so far and obviously that we get to talk about it on the show also makes it a lot of fun there's some very interesting ones that have stepped up uh, this week and i thought one of them was your thoughts on the carolina panthers obviously coming off the bye week this week and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do going forward but you've talked about the possibility of them kind of starting to become a more explosive offense in the passing game obviously we know what we've seen from christian mccaffrey throughout the start of the season in the passing game and then uh, in the running game as well we've had cam newton rushing for touchdowns looking very good but obviously the, the knock on cam has always been his accuracy down the field but uh, you know a couple of young wide receivers both taken very early in the last couple of drafts and uh, we have uh, more and curtis samuel as well are you expecting uh, a little bit of a, a jump here after the bye as we see how they do rest of season are they players who you think you can be you know buying in on now and uh, having success then as we head to the rest of the season i hope so the panthers started the year uh, really emphasizing tory smith and jarius wright in those secondary roles and while those players do bring some ability right obviously you've got the great speed with smith you know wright is arguably a, a little bit of an undervalued underneath kind of player might be someone who in the right offense could be a very good third or fourth weapon but especially with with greg olson out and devin funches being not a bad player but a very weak number one wide receiver for an offense you're certainly looking at a passing offense that uh, doesn't have a lot of talent and then you add cam newton's passing ability onto that where certainly there are a lot of things that he brings to the table he's an above average nfl quarterback 
overall in this particular game you saw him repeatedly convert third downs uh, as a runner where they were very difficult plays to make Uh, but he's not the most accurate passer so when you put that group out there with him throwing there are some limitations right but samuel and Moore are are both interesting players and curtis samuel i think is someone who has really fallen almost completely off the radar after missing almost all of the first season and and his uh, first month of the second season with a variety of maladies right however a little bit like we've seen with mike williams with the charters a little bit like we saw in the previous week with Corey davis and tennessee it's not too late yet for these guys if they can get healthy and with him coming off the bye being a little bit more involved in the offense uh it'll be exciting to see what he can do he had a a beautiful 25 yard catch and run in the first quarter uh, to score a touchdown he had three other targets and if he moves into the offense replaces a player dj moore moves into the offense replaces the player and suddenly you have funchess samuel moore as that group greg olson probably coming back although not that nearly 100 suddenly you could see a receiving group that put more pressure on the defense's open more up for cam Newton. did you have a chance to, to look at this game what did you think of dj moore and what he was able to accomplish i think he looks like a player who there's a lot of good things to see obviously with a, a younger player coming into the league it can be can take a little bit of time but we've seen like you know with a lot of the receivers coming in the uh, if you have a coordinator who's willing to give them the opportunity to scheme them into open situations like we've seen with say the rams or we've even seen with the falcons this year even though sarkeesian gets a lot of stick um you know he's, he's open to things up to give opportunities to certain players and i think it's more about the, the scheming and the game call and i think we could see the panthers luck because the running game between the tackles has been pretty much you know it's, it hasn't been efficient it's been cam newton and then it's been uh, christian mccaffrey getting those short passes but i think with somebody like samuel they have the opportunity to do some shorter passes to get the ball out of cam's hands because cam takes a hell of a lot of punishment a lot more than i think is necessary and we could be trying to see them do a little bit more short pass and then shake it up with the deep passes because something that cam newton has been able to do throughout his career whether it was with ted ginn uh, or with other receivers throughout his career is, you know his deep ball is pretty good he does have that arm strength to, to send the ball deep and uh, i think we could see this offense try to, to circulate that and with a, a mix of you know deep passing versus uh, the shorter game i think we'll see them trying to go shorter quite a bit more as we move on the interesting part there you mentioned is greg olson who i have been a lot of my dynasty leagues uh, and uh, you know i kind of thought you know he was out for the rest of the season and it's quite likely that he comes back you know with this week or the week after and then he's going to re-injure that foot and be out for the rest of the season but at the moment that's a huge positive for the panthers uh, to have him back and you know I'm, I'm excited to see what the offense does and we're kind of trying to target offenses in the offseason that people weren't all that excited about and may have been missing out on and i think like you've pinpointed here with these two wide receivers there is the opportunity to uh, have them uh, peaking as we move forward especially when there's bye weeks coming up to have that opportunity and teams do have opportunities in the bye weeks then to work on things and that was another reason why i enjoyed the week five because uh, cam newton is uh, one of my stable uh, dynasty quarterbacks and you know obviously the russian attempts have a huge part of that but i was able to get two wins without him in the lineup so that, that benefited me this week as well so i'm excited like you are for the panthers the rest of the way um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they do uh, this coming week another one that you mentioned is david johnson and it has not been a good start here for 
uh, you know, for the Cardinals to start the season. Another one of the players that you mentioned a couple of weeks ago had quite a good week this past week. That was Christian Kirkcott, that long touchdown. So, uh, you know, things are going in a better direction for them, but it's still not all that positive. But the one player, obviously, that you look at there is David Johnson because people were taking him early first round, expecting big, big things coming back from the injury. He did put up 21 points this week, but outside of the touchdowns, it wasn't all that much of an impressive performance. It has been uh, a little bit... Uh, disappointing then on those but he has you know put up points over the last couple of weeks but not the sort of points we were expecting in the preseason you know he's somebody who went off for 80 receptions 879 yards just a couple of seasons ago when he was healthy so I think I talked about coaches scheming to have players in certain positions I don't think the Cardinals are doing that enough in this situation Uh, I think it's the same you know Larry Fitzgerald's banged up but you know he's not been involved enough and it's it's a really dicey situation there for the head coach even though he's not long on the job uh, I'm not excited for the Cardinals moving forward but with David Johnson how high are your concerns you know obviously uh, in redraft leagues it's going to be hard to move him for somebody of a comparable value early in the draft season but even in a dynasty situation what's your thoughts moving forward are you expecting him to come back to what we've seen uh, previous or are you expecting it to maybe you know be tough for the next couple of years with the Cardinals? Yeah, he scored 21 points, but it was a pretty depressing day between the two touchdowns. With Johnson, you have both some strengths and weaknesses that you don't get with many other running backs. He's now scored 16 or more points in four out of his five games. And even if that's a little bit disappointing, uh, you'll take that from your first round pick most of the time especially if things seem like they're trending in the right direction obviously if you pick johnson ahead of someone like alvin Kamara, you're really regretting that at the same time you know we saw this week how how quickly things can change where Kamara may now be more uh, what people were thinking in terms of the guy who lasted into the middle of the first round as opposed to being up there with todd Gurley at the the first second pick area i think with johnson you know it this is one of those situations where if you watch this game and uh, certainly if, if you're not an Arizona Cardinals fan or a 49ers fan, this is probably one of the ones you steer clear of. It was ugly, right? If you watch this game, you're probably even more concerned than if you're just looking at it in the box score, because people talk all the time about how yards per carry is not a particularly useful stat. But if you watch this one, you see him just run directly into the line uh, 18 times gain 55 yards uh, that's actually telling the story very clearly of what happened in this one there is no creativity in, in terms of what they're doing and he only caught two passes so this is his fourth consecutive game where they schemed him for four or fewer targets and this is a guy who in his last healthy season 2016 when he lit the world on fire he had 80 catches for 879 receiving yards so Especially in a situation where you have Chad Williams, probably not a starting NFL player. You have Larry Fitzgerald, very limited with injury. They're doing some things with Christian Kirk, and Josh Rosen's arm looks absolutely fantastic. I mean, the the 75-yard bomb uh, that they connected on to start that game was a beautiful route, beautiful pass. Uh, there's some potential in this offense, but... When you have very little beyond Kirk, it's ridiculous to not have David Johnson, who is probably your next best receiver, regardless of position, to it's ridiculous for him to not be more involved and to not be more involved on more complicated routes. Yeah, and you, you mentioned as well, you know, uh, the comparison kind of to what Alvin Kamara is doing. And you mentioned there about the the targets going to David Johnson. We did see David Johnson, you know, two years ago being lined up in the slot, being lined up out wide, getting those opportunities. You know, there's no doubt about it. He's a very talented 
running back but he's also a very talented receiver in terms of catching the ball so i think that's something they really need to to try and uh, make happen here and you mentioned you know the situation of quarterback i have to say out of the rookie quarterbacks in terms of uh, obviously sometimes i kind of forget the mahomes as a second year quarterback but obviously he's in the first season but out of the other guys that are actually first year quarterbacks in terms of has has touched on those passes and even the passes that are incompleted i can you can kind of appreciate what he's trying to do he's still trying to read the field from an nfl perspective but he's like some of the the arm talent that uh, i've seen it wasn't actually what i was expecting to see from him uh, when he was drafted so i've, I've been pleasantly surprised there and uh, christian kirk i was uh, happy to see him have that touchdown the first thing i thought when i seen him catching it was uh what was sean's reaction going to be so uh, the next point that we have here though is uh, in terms of uh the, the Raiders and the Raiders have not been off to a good start this season uh it's been just disappointing obviously they've gone with Gruden they've gone with a lot of veteran players but somebody who's still a young player I suppose you can call him a veteran at this point is Amari Cooper the Raiders had 33 pass attempts this past week only one target to Amari Cooper and you'll remember back to the bold predictions for just before the start of the season uh, I said that Amari Cooper could be the wide receiver one overall in terms of final points uh, this one really hurts and uh, I'm, I'm, Sean this might surprise you but I'm ready to, to give up on that bold prediction as we have five weeks in the books here <laughs> it would take a, a pretty significant rally for that one to turn out to be correct and the Raiders will get him more involved but certainly if you were hoping that Gruden would be the answer in Oakland uh, it, it's simply not the case they don't have really any talent at all around him so if a defense wants to take him away not only will they do that but they will stop Oakland's offense completely which is more or less what we saw in the loss on Sunday yeah and it's, uh, and it's not very creative either in terms of what they're doing on offense uh, you know Lynch is doing a pretty good job with the you know I'd say that it's it's just not creative there's not anything really standing out uh, and it, it's uh, it's just not looking all that good and you know if you the, the one thing that the Raiders fans can probably appreciate is that they have John Gruden locked in to a contract I believe it's 10 10 years for 10 million I think that's what he, he signed up to so there's always that to, to remember um so it's uh, it's not looking good there the next thing up I talked about it in the intro a little bit and it's uh, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs you really at the moment like they're just on unstoppable in terms of uh, a wide receiver duo in the NFL I really would find it hard pressed to find another pairing that i would you know take over them um and th- they are just like you know you would think maybe they'll take some points off each other but that's not happening so far but i have to also say the fact uh with um the quarterback change and having kurt cousins there like some of the passes kurt cousins has had this season uh he had a couple of them against the packers a couple of weeks ago when i was watching but the the touchdown pass he had to the thielen in the back of the end zone and that's just the accuracy there's there you know there is probably maybe seven to ten quarterbacks that can actually make that throw at the nfl level and i've actually thought that he has improved both because of the wide receiver talent he has but of the ability that he has and the confidence he has in himself this season to make those plays so that's obviously helping him and the wide receivers out but uh uh, I've seen a, a stat during the game. Thielen uh, now has five games to start in NFL season with 100 yards. I think there's only uh, three players in NFL history to have that or more, and I think he's the first since the NFL merger. So you know it's a it's a monster start to to the season. Uh, and between him and Diggs, you know, Rodovis has always been very high on on Diggs, but if you look at Thielen, somebody who's come in to the league with no reputation and built his way up, and uh, you know now is just a, an absolute star at the wide receiver position. If you had to pick one rest of the way, you could only take one which way would you be going sean between thielen and Diggs, and are they players that you own in a high percentage of your leagues 
Well, I, I own a bunch of digs, and it's funny because he almost seems disappointing, despite the fact that he has had a fantastic yeah. start to the season. <laughs> because Adam Thielen has just been just been out of this world. I joked in the column that you can't stop those guys. In fact, they're perhaps the only thing that can stop each other. And you, and you think to yourself, well, that's a reference to cannibalizing each other's uh, targets or points, which is definitely not happening. Uh, the funny thing in this particular game, there was a situation where Thielen was, you know, had made another one of his great plays. He's running down the field. He's weaving in and out of tacklers. He's making guys miss. And Diggs is as hustling, 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 trying to get down there to make a, a touchdown springing block. And all of a sudden, he kind of mistimes it, and Thielen kind of cuts back. And so Diggs essentially makes the tackle 50 yards down the field, which uh, was was pretty humorous. But no, they they've been fantastic. They now have four consecutive games where both of them are in double digits and targets. Diggs has 21 catches over the last two games. And, and during that span, he's still, you know, overshadowed by Thielen who leads the league in receptions, targets, fantasy points, and who is also second in yards and expected points. So there are really no holes in Thielen's resume. And with how well this offense is performing, I mean, you could even see him, improve his performance from the perspective of scoring more touchdowns so i think thielen has to have the slight edge with what his target profile is but both of these guys i like to finish as top 10 wide receivers yeah and they both as well have that uh, ability you know it's not just that they're receivers who can take a short route or they can take a deep route they can really do all routes in the right tree and that obviously opens a lot of possibilities up for both of them uh, and it's it's uh you know, I have to say that they're just such a good combination. Another super combination at the wide receiver position, uh, although one of them hasn't really been healthy this year, and that is DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. But looking at Hopkins, he was pretty much the reason in the end up uh, that the Texans came out on top this past week against the Dallas Cowboys, had the big uh, catch and run to set up the uh, game one and field goal. But he is, um, you know, just so, so talented. He is like, he's one of those players who, you know, you talk about this guy's an athletic freak or this guy's a you know just a a beast or freaking nature at the position but hopkins definitely fits that you know you know just (laughs) i don't know if you can even say prototype because he's kind of one of a kind but uh you know it's it's hard to really start putting out words as to what he can do and can't do there's not a lot that he can't can't do and uh he keeps he keeps getting there he's getting the you know the touchdown upside he's getting the receptions upside and he really can do it all how impressed have you been with him as he's he, like we, we kind of it's a bit like Diggs and Thielen we set kind of plateaus if we kind of have ex- expectations and then some guys just blow them out of the water but each time we I've kind of settled on this is how good Hopkins is he kind of shows another level to his game to to even develop more and at the moment it's very very tough to argue against the fact that he's you know the wide receiver one in dynasty at the moment yeah I, I moved him up to number one at the position uh this summer i think that uh, even with some of the top running backs you can argue for him um you know perhaps right in that same range with todd Gurley. the the, the extra session in this one allowed him to, to get up to 594 yards uh, so he now leads the league just edging Thielen there you know he had a a 1500 plus uh, yardage season in 2015 almost 1400 yards last year and is on pace for the best totals of his career and with the young quarterback and Deshaun Watson really hasn't even played that well but with the young quarterback I expect him to just to continue to improve from the perspective of what he can actually provide in games he's a guy out there where he's not a blazer I mean he's not got the Calvin Johnson Julio Jones 
big time speed certainly not you know a Tyreek Hill kind of player but he's bigger than you think and that catch radius with fantastic hands I mean, people talk about Odell Beckham and Beckham has made some catches that are almost unfathomable you know borderline impossible catches but play to play no one is DeAndre Hopkins in terms of how he catches the area that he can catch to the consistency with which he catches and the the target that he presents there. And when we see that come out in his stats all the time, we'll talk about how he projects for the rest of the season in a moment. But in those two previous campaigns, which he was so fantastic, he had double digit touchdowns. He's only got two right now. And uh, if you barely lost with DeAndre Hopkins, he was actually you know one of the guys on, on one of my key teams there. If you barely lost with Hopkins, then you're certainly looking back and thinking about the touchdowns that could have been. Right? He had he drew a 27 yard pass interference penalty in the end zone. He had a one on one on just a throw up pass from Watson that was badly underthrown. Another example of, of Watson struggling a little bit in that game. And then he also had a catch where he spun, reached the ball out and was down at like the three inch line. So you had three different possibilities in this game where uh, just inches away from a touchdown. I think those touchdowns are going to come and And even if they don't, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is one of the most fun players to watch in the NFL. Yeah. And the other part I like to watch with Hopkins and with other players is to see who they've done it with. And if you look at like some of the quarterbacks that he was putting those scores up with early in his career, Brian Hoyer was in the building uh, and there was a lot of other guys around there that you just wouldn't be all that confident in. So although uh, Watson has had some struggles, I think that'll pick up as his career goes forward. And another thing I like in Dynasty, although Odell has signed that uh, long-term contract, so has uh, Hopkins, and that obviously provides security in terms of where he'll be playing. But I think uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of Odell Beckham, but he is in the New York market. He's obviously always going to get a lot more publicity. And I think if we swapped roles and we had DeAndre Hopkins in New York, uh, we would see similar in terms of, uh, you know, the the accolades and the the, the comments that would be made about him. So I think he uh, he's just he's just one of the best at, at the present moment in time. So today's show is brought to you by SquadQL, as I mentioned in the intro, and it is, as I mentioned, over the last couple of weeks, a way to gain an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league. We are going well through the season. Hopefully, you're already dominating that league, but it's not too late to turn things around. Some of my lineups are two and three, uh, and some of them, you know, there's still hope. Uh, You can look at your lineups. You may have had some players that haven't really performed that you're hoping that'll pick things up, but you can still use the SquadQL app to help you set the best starting lineup each week based on your starters, your bench players the free agent pool and part of the season obviously you've drafted your team the free agent pool becomes so important at this stage of the season with injuries and different things like that that we can try and see who we can use rest off the way you might ask how does squad ql actually do this the app connects directly with your yahoo espn or cbs leagues pulling in the roster and your actual league scoring systems squad ql provides waiver and trade recommendations plus the app gives you your player rankings each week and best of all it's based on your league settings squad ql is truly your go-to app for this fantasy football season head to squadql.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is also brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy football lineup optimizer, trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download the RotoQL for both Apple and Android. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99, polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. 
And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. So, Sean, let's jump into the third quarter and look again at Mr. DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> no getting away from him. We were talking about him before the ad. We are talking about him after the ad. Just uh, the clear number one at the moment. You mentioned he's the top of your uh, wide receiver rankings for the NFL season, so it's not a surprise. But we're looking at breakout wide receivers who continue to smash in rest of, wide, rest of season wide receiver projections on the wrong read this week. It is number 51 of the wrong read. Blair Andrews has been doing a fantastic job with the series and it continues to do so. But looking at the wide receivers, you mentioned Hopkins. The other ones that we have in the top tier of the nine players are Hopkins, Thielen, Thomas, Beckham, Brown, Jones, Adams, Cup, and Evans. What's your thoughts uh, rest of season on on the top tier? Yeah, so I definitely encourage listeners to go to the site, check this article out. Blair is looking at a is looking at the significant predictors for rest of season production based on what we've seen historically. You can do this yourself actually in the Rotoviz screener. It's a great function that that tool brings to the table. Obviously, if you're not wanting to do all of that, one of the great things about Blair's article is it shows you a bunch of different information in terms of expected points, which again are the number of fantasy points you would expect based on the situation in the game that the touch occurred. And then the points over expectation, which gives you a sense of how much they have over or underperformed that volume, right? It also discusses things like average margin when the passes were being thrown and market share of targets. So you get this sort of overall picture of what a receiver has done. And then Blair helps break down for you how that then projects for the rest of the season. And while mostly you're going to see that the players who are doing well so far are also the ones who you would expect to continue to do well. Fairly straightforward. There are a couple of of different little moves that we see in there. For example, having Hopkins up over Thielen. But yeah, so we have this top tier of nine players, and in many ways, they're the usual suspects. You had them there. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and Mike Evans. The only guy in that group you probably wouldn't have expected uh, going into the season would be Cup. Is that right? That would be right. And the one that I would, was surprised then out of the list to see rest of season was Evans. The rest I thought were pretty much par for the course. It was those two that I thought were the two that stood out for me. Yeah, and, and Evans probably uh, has the most to lose in terms of the quarterback situation now. Uh, it, things can change very quickly, and certainly you see a couple of games like uh, what Ryan Fitzpatrick put out to start the season, and that's very exciting. You've got a bunch of weapons. You think, hopefully this can continue, and then you find out. Uh, again, not a huge surprise when you know the offensive coordinator. You know that... that that Ryan has had some of these tiny stretches of glory in the past. Uh, this offense has collapsed, right? And Jameis Winston is not going to be able to support all of the the weapons he has. So I, I think we're looking at Evans as a sell, even though 
he looks good in terms of these metrics. Some of the things that jumped out, and that you can see in Blair's article here, that Hopkins, Beckham, Brown, and Jones are all over a 30% target share, a good sign for the future. Um, Cooper Cup, right? The lone surprise we talked about, uh, he is at 32 fantasy points above expectation. So he is blowing away what his volume would suggest. And contrary to what you hear a lot of the time, this is actually a good sign. You do want your players, especially once we're to this point in the season, you do want them to be efficient in part because that also reflects on the quarterback and what he is doing. Uh, Cup is in there with his two Rams teammates. All three of the guys are in the first three tiers that we'll talk about here. And they account for three of the 11 total players who are now at 20 plus points over expectation. So that's obviously a compliment to them. It's a good sign for Jared Goff. And again, more kudos, I think, to Sean McVay and what he's accomplishing there in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's uh, and a couple of the ones. Another part when we look at some of the other tiers, I know if we look into the, the second tier, uh, we're sitting with Juju, Corey Davis, Tate Woods, Landry, Green, and Stefan Diggs. Um, and then in the third tier, that also includes, I know we talked about Keenan Allen last week, and obviously this week was another disappointing week uh, on Sunday for him. So uh, I was kind of off the mood that it would turn around, but uh, moving forward, it may be more of uh, what we've seen is what we'll get for the rest of the season uh, Tyreek Hill Kenny Galdi who has been very impressive and then Boyd and Cooks uh, are remaining but the one there I'm very uh, not surprised but obviously we talked up Boyd probably one of the players we've been most right on in terms of uh, having a low ADP that could really blow that out of the water from the offseason but between him and uh, AJ Green there's not a huge difference in terms of expectation for the rest of the season were you surprised at quite how close they are at this point? Not necessarily surprised in terms of how the projections look. I don't think that they will end up being that close. All you really have to do is look at the history of the two players and you know, even look at this last week where A.J. Green was, was much more involved again. Right now, Green is at a 23% target share, which is certainly on the low end for him. If you drafted him in the second round, you were expecting a lot more volume. A little bit of that is missing almost a half with injury a couple of weeks ago there would have been some more targets that filtered into him in that time period however I, I do think that Boyd is going to continue if perhaps not at this level certainly I think he would be a fourth tier player and is going to be a clear fantasy starter the rest of the way yeah and I, I definitely think Boyd with the, what he's done in the first four weeks has turned from one of those players you thought like we thought could have an impact to somebody who's going to have an impact and looks to have a, a solid future if you look even from a dynasty perspective uh, long term because he, he he has shown what we thought he could do and now that he's shown at the nfl level that obviously helps him in, in the long term when you look then um with that third tier that i mentioned you know that includes kenny galladay and then tate was in the second tier uh, it hasn't been a really good season for marvin jones so far I've I've obviously thought that Galladay could take the leap and become you know the number two or number one receiver in this offense. But are you expecting him then to overtake Tate as we you know move move forward? Uh, you know he's just he's looked so so impressive here uh, to start the season. I think so. And and going into the season, there was this question of you know who is Galladay going to affect if he breaks out? Certainly, the breakout was not guaranteed at this point. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that that is happening. You have this potential overlap with Marvin Jones in that Galladay is more of a, of a really more of a well-rounded player, but more of a deep threat could take away some of those important deep targets that Jones thrives on because he is not 
an intermediate type player. He, he's mostly just a deep shot guy, right? Or is he going to cause more problems for Tate because the Lions uh, sort of telegraphed that in a number of formations, they were actually going to play Galladay and Jones, and Tate might have to sit and watch on some of those two receiver sets. So far, it's certainly been Jones who has suffered, although some of that probably deals with a lingering injury. We saw Jones go through a very uh, weak stretch a couple of years ago when he was hurt and then when he got back to 100 immediately blew up again so you've got to take that into consideration a little bit but i do expect galladay to overtake take one of the things that blair has in his article uh, is some really cool information from the aya app which basically shows you the adjusted yards per attempt uh, at different locations so you can go in you can look at the graphic you can see that galladay is both more flexible and more effective in terms of targets that he gets to various areas of the field the other thing you can look at is just how matthew stafford is faring to his targets in general and while galladay's numbers over 12 aya when stafford throws to him you know those might take a little bit of a step back but currently he has a more than three yards lead in that stat it's not like the lions are not funneling targets to galladay they are but i expect him to become even more the centerpiece of this offense as the lions try to really develop this offense they still do a lot of squirrely things they short circuit a lot of their drives they really only look like they're trying in a handful of possessions per game but if we can get more galladay if we can get more carry on johnson then this offense has some real potential for the second half of the season yeah, and just when we're on the Lions and squirrely things, and you touched on it at the start of the show with uh, Mason Crosby uh, being a Packers fan, uh, you know I expect Crosby to be there, and I expect him to bounce back because he's been quite reliable uh, over his career for the Packers. But this past week, you know, people may look at the box score, think that uh, you know the Lions won this game quite comfortably; they were ahead for quite a large portion of it, but. In reality, um, it's more one that they were gifted. It's, it's amazing to see that they have beat both the Patriots and the Packers, and then they've lost to, I believe, the 49ers, the Jets, and can't remember who the other team is. But in terms of like h- how they've done in those two games, I think it's more uh, that they, they've had the lead. I, I actually seen a stat that they had the lead from start to finish in both of those games. They were never behind, and they had quite a bit of fortune, and Mason Crosby just had a, a day that uh, really will probably live, a, live in his memory for, for years to come but uh hopefully hopefully it'll bounce back and i think even uh the positive thing for them was worth the the game script of being in the lead that the wide receivers were still able to put up those numbers obviously uh shows again i know we've talked about uh, the running back situation but uh shows that they're, they're still putting up points even when they are in the lead because they're going to throw the ball uh, with matthew stafford there at quarterback So, Sean, jumping into the fourth quarter now, we're looking at the outperformers, disappointments, and buy lows, and what expected points are telling us after week five. And another article here from Blair Andrews that's up on the site. Um, there's quite a few interesting things that stood out to me in it. Um, you know, one of the players that I do have, you mentioned, you know, players that helped me win last week. Well, I had John Brown in a lot of leagues, and obviously his efficiency wasn't all that high in week five. He was the second least efficient player in week five, uh, Michael Crabtree as well. Uh, has been the second least efficient player in 2018 so with Flacco performing a lot better than he has over the last couple of years um, you know the efficiency part uh, for Crabtree has uh, surprised me a little bit but John Brown had been pretty efficient but wasn't then this past week but what stood out for you obviously Crowell had a, a monster week Anderson had a monster week we had 
you know, Anderson's usage had been a lot lower than we were expecting coming into the season. We kind of had thought of a possible breakout, but in terms of the efficiency uh, this week, are you expecting that to be something that can be that way moving forward for, say, a player like Anderson or Crowell, or are you thinking that that's something that's going to regress again and we're going to, you know, people make it over confident? And will you be starting, say, like a, a Robbie Anderson heading in now to week six? Yeah, so this is a fantastic article uh, and, and a lot of fun in that when you look at the expected points and then you look at the points over expectation, uh, number one, that gives you a ton of information about volume and helps you contrast what you saw in terms of the box score and points and what the expectations were, you know, which performances were fluky, which guys actually were out there touching the ball a lot and help you make some key decisions in terms of how you want to go forward. But it's also great because you get all of these little fun stats that are just, uh, you know, just interesting, right? And, you know, you pointed out that the Ravens managed to have the second least efficient player for the week and the second least efficient player for the season after their loss to the Browns, which after you lose to the Browns, that probably isn't surprising. You would have some stats pop up like that. Uh, On the flip side, you've got this big game from the Jets and Crowell with 30 points, Anderson on 27. And Blair points out that, that these were the two biggest games in terms of points over expectation. Right, so Crowell had a 200-yard rushing game, and it was one of the most efficient 200-yard rushing games in NFL history. There are only a handful of games where people have been even in that area of 14, 15, 16 carries to go over 200 yards. Obviously, the volume isn't necessarily there. Crazy in terms of the the numbers, you know, from the yardage perspective to the you know the rushing attempts, uh, and then if you look at you know the the touchdowns as well that he picked up, Robbie Anderson was the same. He didn't have a huge amount of opportunities, but uh, you know had a, a monster game then on the end of it. But it's very very tough. I think Crowell is going to get that workload going forward, but again, it's that workload. It's you know fifteen sixteen carries. It's not thirty points in PPR leagues. It's you know you have to balance that out. This is. I think one that's going to, at the end of the season, stand out as the the outlier. The Robbie Anderson one I'm interested because he is very efficient on those deep targets, but it's whether they can have those on a weekly basis that with the rookie quarterback can sync up. We've seen him in week one. He had one reception. I think it was on one target for that long touchdown this week again. Uh, And in this game, I think Isaiah Quell had uh, his possession, had a 75-yard touchdown, and then on the next possession the Jets had was Robbie Anderson's uh, 76 yard touchdown so it was just uh you know insane in terms of how it worked out for the jets in this one but i expect the jets to to go back in and revert to normal uh, like i own robbie anderson in a lot of leagues but seeing what he did last week is probably not going to have me rushing him into my lineups for for the next week or so it's certainly tricky and it depends on who else you have i i own rob uh, robbie in a lot of places his career arc to this point is incredibly favorable and and very encouraging and so to see him start the season slowly was a disappointment although maybe not a huge surprise since he does have that vertical profile and that can be a little bit more difficult for the rookie quarterback on the other hand i think that you have to look at this not as a game where you say okay well now we have to get him into the lineup obviously only the five targets it was very interesting because you have this line i believe the line for anderson is three 123 and two on five targets and Quincy you have zero 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 on five targets so a a huge split there in terms of what the five targets for each player provided Inunwa obviously had been providing more value 
to this point. I don't expect them to go away from Anunua or for him to to have no role, especially because in this one it sounded like he had a hand injury that may have made it uh, very difficult for him to really do what an NFL wide receiver has to do. Uh, however, you know, a little bit like we've seen with Rosen and that beautiful pass to Kirk, a little bit like what we've seen with Baker Mayfield, although Mayfield has perhaps disappointed a little bit since that uh, initial you know, very exciting debut where he comes out and rallies the team to victory in the second half. But Darnold is is developing, uh, you know, showed a lot of guts in that first game against the Lions when he throws the pick six on the first play and then leads them to victory. I think this is going to develop into a very promising combination over the course of the season. Whether that means you should rush him into lineups next week is a more difficult question and, and really depends, I think, team to team on what else you have, how much bye week difficulty you're starting to run into that kind of thing yeah that that's pretty fair you know if you have other options i would be going with them but again if it's buys if it's injuries and you don't have the options i guess uh, you know there's there's worse things you can do than put anderson into the lineup rest of season i still expect him to you know to finish quite strongly i would probably still rank him uh, certainly as a top 36 wide receiver rest of the way but i would have him probably closer to uh, the top 24 but it's just it's you know with what we've seen on his usage it has been kind of the similar target share over the last three to four weeks but it just hasn't been as efficient so I, i'm fascinated to see and you know obviously he can always have that uh, uh touchdown upside at the end of it all another player that uh, was spotlighted and that is dante moncrief and i know he's somebody as well that you mentioned in the 15 but uh you know he he's getting quite valuable target volume but he's leading the league pretty much with uh you know <laughs> negative fantasy points uh, for inefficiency uh, Bartles while last week actually at certain times looked like a very uh, suitable NFL quarterback the uh, pick six on the screen pass was one of the more Bartles things that I've seen throughout his career and it was you know I, I just I, I can't get over how that pass actually happened how simple I believe I, I seen it's the, the shortest air yards on a pick six in NFL history um but it, it just was a terrible play but what is your thoughts on Moncrief then you know rest of the way and are you going uh you know with Keelan Cole has maybe slowed down a little bit but uh rest of season where are you looking at these wide receivers including D.D. Westbrook or are you just fading this offense entirely from that from that wide receiver core it's certainly a disappointing game when you have Bortles have his first 400 yard passing game and still really look <laughs> right because this I, I watched this game obviously you know frequent listeners know that that I'm a big Chiefs fan and Kansas City got ahead again in this one really forced the Jaguars to throw especially with with Fournette inactive again and they were able to rack up the yardage but on an extreme number of attempts and with a lot of plays that just left you scratching your head. I mean, it wasn't just the pick six. Bortles had a lot of very poor passes. But then on the other end of that, you know, Dante Moncrief, this most valuable target volume of the week, and and he just looks out of his depth. He, he looks confused and, and frustrated out there. Um, you watch someone like a DeAndre Hopkins and – you know, or an AJ Green, even though Green drops a lot of passes as well. But you have this amazing ability to take a relatively large body and adjust to the passes. You've got this incredible flexibility and body control going after these targets. And Moncrief is really at the very opposite end of the spectrum where he struggles to move to adjust to the ball at all. So you have a lot of passes in his vicinity where he really doesn't even get his arms up, where his torso is pointing the wrong direction. And 
all of those things come out in the stats. He struggled in Indianapolis. It was a weird signing for them in the offseason. And he, he now has more targets than Cole, who is my guy, than Westbrook, who is your guy. What are you seeing with this offense? So again, we, we pull up the AYA app. We see that Bortles actually is quite efficient when he targets Cole, when he targets Westbrook. He's over nine to both of those guys just 5.5 to Moncrief which you know we're still dealing with small samples but but those are terrible numbers yeah I've always been uh, probably hypercritical of Bartles and uh, you know this season that's why I kind of said that he didn't do all that bad there was some nice throws last week even though overall it wasn't uh, a great performance by him but I, I think this season is probably the best we've seen in terms of an NFL quarterback from from what Bartles has done but when I look at like Moncrief I've always been a big Eric Decker uh, fan and uh, I always like when he when Moncrief came into the league I always said he was kind of like a poor man's eric decker he's kind of a red zone threat if you get the ball inside the 20 he can do something but outside of it i always thought that he was going to really struggle in terms of basically what you touched on and you know if you're you mentioned the the spectrum of you know an aj green or a deandre hopkins he's probably moncrief maybe closer to uh, a sean siegel or a colin kelly in terms of <laughs> that end of the spectrum uh, when we look at it from that from from his playing profile at the moment but uh, i would still I, i've liked what i've seen like I, i've said i've liked a lot what i've seen from cole this season and i think D.D. Westbrook is on the you know trajectory that I thought he would be on you know coming into the second year they have used him in quite a few games uh, this season in terms of targets I'd be quite happy to use both of those moving forward the other part to note is also Austin Severian Jenkins has gone on injured reserve they have Niles Paul who although he did have you know at one stage was ahead of Jordan Reed in the depth chart uh, in Washington um, he has had a lot of issues with injuries over the last couple of years so it'll be interesting to see he did have uh, quite a good game in the second half this past week against the Chiefs but moving forward I think uh, Cole and Westbrook are the guys to own there I suppose we can also note that Jamal Charles signed with the Jaguars this week with the injury to uh, Leonard Fournette but I would expect uh, moving forward that we still see TJ Eldon get the the bulk of the work there uh, I suppose when we're on those uh, you know the Jaguars have you any expectations for Jamal Charge moving forward? Obviously, as a Chiefs supporter, you'll have a you know he'll be close to your heart. And you know, looking at NFL fantasy players over the last ten years, uh, Jamal Charge is definitely a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm conflicted on this because I obviously want him to do well and think that he might still have it at least a little bit. He was not ineffective last year for the Broncos. It was more that he didn't fit what they wanted to do, and you know they. They were trotting C.J. Anderson out there, got some decent production from him, and then they wanted to see what Devontae Booker offered. And so it just didn't make a lot of sense with where they were most of the season to deploy Charles and, and give him a real chance. I think it's an interesting move here. Uh, you know, Corey Grant's injury is the one that made them desperate, so it puts him then behind Yeldon, obviously behind multiple backs once Fournette is back. But but certainly, I you know I added into a league for <laughs> Tavon Austin. Uh, a few minutes ago which you know is is a move that is pretty irrelevant since neither one of those players are ever going to get close to the starting lineup but yeah i definitely think there is is an outside chance here you know you were mentioning some of the receivers before we go to the next topic also just a quick mention that this offense uh it has a lot of playmakers in terms of athleticism so if Bortles can even just be slightly more effective then you know, I think there's some intrigue here. And, and the last player to mention is DJ Tark, who, along with Cole and Westbrook, you know, you've got fantastic speed uh, f- 
from the receiving position and Chark had a long reception in this game looked like he might be on the verge of a mini breakout probably still isn't going to see enough volume isn't going to see enough snaps to be a fantasy relevant player but they've got some real speed some real athleticism they can throw out there and make it difficult for the defense to cover and certainly that might help uh you know it certainly looks like defenses are trying to take Cole away but speed opposite them you know should certainly help spring a guy like Westbrook who a small speedy guy you know perhaps someone like Cole so uh, even with how poorly Bortles played in this one I, I think if you're a Jaguars fan there are some exciting things coming so Sean as we get ready to wrap up the show here we're getting into overtime and uh, I had a, just a topic I was interested in uh, I was quite high on uh, Doug Baldwin heading into the season and I mentioned about Tyler Lockett as well uh, who I had in quite a lot of my lineups this past week. But the Seahawks have certainly not been uh, you know, a team that's been passing the ball that much uh, in terms of you're looking for their wide receivers to have an impact. Uh, the Seahawks have thrown the ball just 42.93% of the time over the last three weeks. That's dead last in the NFL. And obviously, uh, Doug Baldwin, who has had his injury concerns, it's obviously affecting him, though, when he has been on the field. He has just nine targets in three games, and uh, that's six catches for 42 yards without a touchdown. Uh, Baldwin or Russell Wilson had just 21 passes last week in the shootout against the Rams so they, they have been running the ball very well though but what, what's your thoughts on the Seahawks the rest of the season in terms of uh, what we can expect from you know obviously they're going to try and run the ball it looks like on a, a large percentage of the passes uh, or a large percentage of the time but in terms of like a, a guy like Baldwin who was going uh, before his injury maybe in the second round or then after the injury from the third to fourth round um, wh- what's the expectation moving forward at that point the other part is Russell Wilson is currently the quarterback 19 uh, you know which is a huge surprise in terms of where he was going in ADP for quarterbacks um, and then I mentioned Baldwin uh, Lockett has got a touchdown I think the last three games now but if you're looking at Baldwin he had one catch for one yard on one target against the Rams the Seahawks have been a difficult team to figure out because their offense doesn't run the ball well. But the last couple of weeks, they've turned that around a little bit with Mike Davis and, and Carson having some better performances. Doug Baldwin, I guess I was at the opposite end with him going into the season. He was on my do not draft list because he had this combination that I think is pretty scary where you have an older player and at this point you know Blair's put out so much fantastic information this year but he had a bunch more information sort of confirming that you know as you get deeper into age the collapse potential for these players uh, gets higher and higher you've got an older player you've got an injured player and you have a player who relies on explosive efficiency and you have them in a bad offense right so I'm not completely averse to drafting efficient players i think that there are situations certainly you have uh, some specific quarterbacks and specific wide receivers where there's just really no argument against the idea that, that they're well above average they're stars right so within those offenses you should see them either be very efficient or in order to continue to funnel uh touches to your best players maybe that knocks the efficiency down but it drives the volume way up so one way or another you're going to come out ahead right well, but in, in Baldwin's case, when you have a bad offense, I think that, that that also introduces another red flag. And then with someone like him, where you have age, injury, efficiency, and offense all 
as potential stumbling blocks, you just, you don't have a lot of margin, right? Everything has to go right based on information you already know in order to return that value. Now, just how poorly he's doing, I think, is a surprise, but it's a reminder of just how big a role injury plays because these guys are playing at a physical level that is hard to fathom. You drop down off of that and you're simply not going to be an effective NFL player. Now, he's saying that that perhaps the knee isn't the issue, but within the context of this offense, you know, anything that's knocking him down a little bit is going to be a problem. Looking at it now with Lockett, not necessarily being the clear number one guy who's going to be the star the rest of the season, but someone who does have this rapport with Wilson currently does offer the deep threat that they really do need. What do you expect them to do as they keep moving forward? They have this uh, running back rotation with Carson and Davis. Uh, the the rookie people were hoping for Penny has really moved to the background. And now you've got the split between Lockett and Baldwin, a couple of guys you like. It's, uh, it's very difficult to see. You know, I would like to be confident in Baldwin. You, the points you touched on, I know you, you did explain those to me in the offseason too. And it, it was more that I kind of started diving into Baldwin after the injury that I thought the uh, kind of ADP had dropped too much but obviously that has not proven to be the case uh, so far uh, but I have uh, been starting Lockett and Lockett is somebody who I'd probably be starting with more confidence at the moment uh, and probably projecting rest of season based on how the usage has been he's been targeted deep downfield which is obviously gives you that upside if he does happen to to connect and you always have the upside of touchdowns but I do expect Baldwin to, to come back somewhat similar to what he, he has been I expect him to start to pass the ball a, a little bit more like in terms of uh you know rushing attempts of uh, 58 percent to 42 percent is extremely extremely high even for what the Seahawks have done over the last couple of years so I just I wouldn't be able to to presume with any of those with confidence but uh, I would expect uh, Baldwin to come closer to what we've seen in the past I don't I think maybe his best days are behind him and I think you know when you look at somebody like Russell Wilson at, at the quarterback 19 that that actually surprises me more than with Baldwin you know if you're looking at I think he was going off the board maybe QB3 or QB4 this year in draft so it's a big drop off and we have seen the Seahawks sometimes start slow and then pick up but I just think the Seahawks offense just may be a bad offense and you know if we didn't have Russell Wilson on this team I think it'll be a team that everyone will be avoiding. So maybe having Russell Wilson there has maybe camouflaged them a bit that we maybe thought, or maybe me personally thought more of them heading into the year. So while I will be starting them in leagues that I have to start them, I'd probably be avoiding the situation until things pick up in Seattle. Yeah, and QB19, within the context of what's happening this year, that's not killing you, right? Certainly he's not been a catalyst <laughs> to leading your team to the top of the standing so far but he's still scoring enough points to to not be uh, completely hamstringing your team there so so you're sort of a buy on baldwin and uh, especially if he's making some noise i think there might be some extra target volume coming his way yeah i I I would be more in that but i'm a sucker for punishment sean (laughs) i like it i like it so uh, as we wrap up the show, um, I think we've uh, covered a lot of ground today on, on the podcast. Um, just want to give a quick plug as well to the Road of His live show. Uh, the last two weeks has been Anthony Miko and Dave Cabin. I'll be jumping back on myself this week. I haven't been on the last two weeks, so I'm looking forward to getting back in the action there. That will be Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. If you want to get access to it, you can do it through the Patreon page, and that is just $6 a month. Gets you all the podcasts, obviously, that we do here and also helps get you access to some exclusive podcasts that we're doing from time to time and also the four Rotoviz live shows per month. So get involved at that. It is the Rotoviz Patreon page. 
Uh, also, you can help get yourself another discount. It is the 30% discount off the Rotoviz NFL Pass, and that is available through the podcast homepage. That is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. We talk through all the articles that we do each week on the show, and all those articles are then backed up by the data that's used from the Rotoviz apps. And uh, you know, if you haven't tried them out yet, I highly, highly recommend doing so. They are invaluable in setting those lineups and uh, getting an advantage in your leagues. So that, once again, is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. So, Sean, I think that's going to do us for today's episode of Rotoviz Overtime. It's been, uh, I think this one's been a lot of fun. We've covered, as I mentioned, a huge amount of ground, a lot of different topics. Yeah, it was it was a, an exciting week, a, a different week in the NFL, and, and lots of good stuff to talk about there. To our listeners, hopefully you're having the same kind of success. You have plenty of Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, uh, even Alan Kamara with, with what he did this past week. And we look forward to chatting with you again next week yeah and uh, with that it's going to do it for this edition as i mentioned my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to ireland my co-host is sean siegel who's on twitter at ff underscore contrarian of course you can always follow rotoviz radio and rotoviz on twitter as well so until we're back with another show next week have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at the 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, Rotoviz. Rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.